0: So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So here you are on your journey. You know you're about to step out of the closet. Or maybe you're about to step into something that you never, ever thought you could become. But once you realize becoming is truly what this journey is all about. And it is a never-ending journey of becoming this and becoming that and becoming this and becoming that. I know as a gay man, I have become a gay man over and over and over again. And as a father and as an entrepreneur, as a podcast host and as an author, every day is a journey of becoming. And every day is your journey of becoming. And when I was introduced to today's guests, I was very excited because they're Whole Brand is about becoming with a Q. And as I dove in deeper and saw what they were all about, I'm like, yes, this is an amazing fit because they're going to take us deeper into some of their own becoming stories and their own coming out stories and their own ways in life of what they do for their work. I want to introduce you to B and Azria. They are amazing people with an amazing journey that they're going to share. I'm going to invite you to truly go check out their websites and stuff because You will be blown away. Watch their videos, get their book, all that good stuff. Of course, I have to confess, I haven't read their book. They already pegged me on that one. But um, it's so exciting to have them here. So thank you both. I feel really honored and blessed to have you here. So thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having us, Rick.
0: Thank you, brother. It's an honor. So they're just kicking back in Mexico City right now. Rough life. But um, you guys are kind of on that nomad journey, aren't you? Kind of.
1: Yeah, we are. We've been. The last almost three years straight have been just head down, focused on creating. We birthed the book, we developed a really comprehensive coaching program for a variety of different demographics. Um, We've built a pretty large community around us and um, hosted a lot of events. And we've just been very kind of focused on what's right in front of us in in our home in, in California. And so that all shifted a little over a month ago, the book came out or has it been two months now? It's been two months, two months. The book came out and Basically a week later, we moved out of our home for an 18 month renovation and have decided not to get like an official place anywhere, but to rather just let ourselves be guided and trust the universe's plan for us. So we've been all over already and uh, experiencing the, the nomad lifestyle. It's when you're, when you're birthing a massive business and you're nomadic, there's some unique challenges that, that come with that, but it's also been really amazing. Just all the new people we're meeting and the experiences we're having. So super grateful.
0: I can't imagine there's challenges. I mean, (laughs) at all. I mean, I started my business in 2006 and I'm like, okay, I I had a home office and all this sort of stuff. And it was, it was a challenge even then. And it continues to be interesting, beautiful challenges. But um, I find it so fascinating that you guys are going into a very soulful space, but yet you're also crossing over from that soulful, like really going deep and through some rituals and different things and psychedelics and all that sort of stuff. But you're also bringing like traditional teams into this playground of yours. That's got to be an interesting experience in and of itself to like bring people who may not have ever touched this part of themselves. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, when you say traditional teams, you're talking about more of that sort of business-minded archetype yeah, that we yeah, that we work yeah, with. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've got some sirens in the background here as well. Sorry about that.
0: That's okay. It's <laughs> um, all good.
1: Yeah, for sure. A big part of what we do is, you know, introduce people into a completely different world. And the subtitle of our book is Becoming Everything You Didn't Know You Wanted. And it's really about helping people who are maybe already very established in the world, successful, you know, entrepreneurial, a lot of times kind of CEO types who um, have kind of reached the pinnacle, you know, of what Mm -hmm. we would say is like, this is, this is what a person looks like who made it quote unquote made it in the, in the, in the normal world, in the normal societal definition of success and is realizing at that pinnacle that there's something deeply missing and they have no idea what that is. And so our, main mission really is to help them build a bridge out of the dimension of what they think they know or who they think they are into mm-hmm. this realm of everything they didn't know they wanted, which a lot of it is going internal and, and collapsing the veil between the conscious and the subconscious mind. Um, and then eventually as we do that in our work and we excavate more of our soul's true you know purpose and, and desires and needs and imprints and all the things that come with that work, then that can also start to translate more externally as well.
0: It also seems like it takes it some to a place where most people, most humans would not even begin to like, okay, let's go delve into this. We're such a beautiful, as you guys say, molecular masterpiece as a biological being. And yet, If we just step away from what this all is, and the listeners can't see me waving my hands all over the place, but what this whole manifestation of who we are as a human is, and step into that space, things begin to change. And I realized when I was coming out of the closet that a whole lot of the paradigms that I had succumbed to, everything from religion and beliefs about myself and who I was as a person and whether I could be a gay dad and have kids and all this sort of stuff the more I just kept asking the question, but who are you? Who are you really? Who are you at the core of your essence? And I was practicing some Buddhist practices and stuff at that time as well. And what I realized for myself is as I let go of any manifestation of what I thought I was meant to be, I stepped into who I was being rather Mm -hmm. than something I was creating. And it was tough because, you know, here I am pretty high up at a corporate juncture and then going through this huge life change as well and trying to balance all of these things at once. And I think that's probably what you all find, you know, whether you're working with people in corporate or people who are like, I'm ready to make a big, huge life change or people are searching, which I think most of us are searching, but most of us won't admit that too. (laughs) Um, It's got to be challenging and beautiful to see people step into this. We're looking at this from a different perspective.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, you referenced the most existential question that you can ask yourself is who am I? And I think it's, it's, it's beautiful to be in the constant exploration of what that is. And at the same time, live in the paradox that you'll never truly know the answer to the question, but, but our work is really asking that question. And we like to ask ourselves uh, uh, a question that is from Jim Deathmer which is what are you willing to risk for full aliveness? And so you, you referenced um, that it's, it's hard for a lot of people to let go of this, this false identity they have or this uh, programmed uh, understanding of who they should be. And so we, we like to work with people who are willing to, either they've, they've experienced enough pain of what it feels like to not be living in alignment with who they were designed to be or are just feeling like a void or an emptiness and want to feel more alive. And so we, we like to work with people who are ready to uh, at least ask those questions and be open to uh, learning. Because if you think you know who you are, the opposite of learning is knowing. And so the minute you think you know, you're, you can't be in a place of learning. Uh, and so we really invite people to, to be open and let down their, their guards and their perceived expectations of what they think they should
0: be. This is something I encounter all the time because of coaching people out of the closet is learning to let go of what they perceive themselves to be, because it's a beautiful thing to be in our own sexuality and really start to tap into that piece and realize that's just a piece of who we are as a being. But Then to have to release all that and release all that and release all that. And it's interesting that you talked about that aliveness question, because I ask my clients, almost every client, as we start this journey, what do you need most to feel alive as who you are? And it's very interesting to hear the responses. Some are like, I just want to experience the touch of, you know, another person, same sex person. Others are like, I just want to feel that connection that I I have connection with my existing spouse. But it's not the connection I feel at the deepest core of who I want to be. Others are like, I just want to be free. I just want to experience what freedom would really be like. And so it's such a beautiful thing because I, I don't think anybody, I don't think a lot of people ever get asked that question. Like, what would it, what would it mean for you to feel fully alive? What does that look like to you? How, how would that be to experience that? Because these are those deeper questions that, yeah, as coaches, <laughs> we know how to ask those questions and get them to go like super, super deep. So I'm curious for the two of you, because I know there's a very beautiful, intimate relationship you two have. What was it like for you two to meet each other? And what was the spark that brought some of that aliveness between the two of you?
2: I'll let you answer that. But if I could just touch on something before is the interesting thing about the the way you just framed it is um, it's really important to ask what you're willing to risk for full aliveness. And we believe that what you're willing to, what you need to be willing to risk is feeling something, feeling uncomfortable often is, is, is what's needed. Um, but the, the beautiful part is, is the work that we do is helping people get beyond what they think they know the answer to that question would be. So when you ask, you know, when, and when people tell you the answer to that question, there's another answer that's beyond their current awareness and that's where the real juiciness happens. And, you know, we, you know, work with a lot of plant-based medicine, ayahuasca, in particular, to help people see beyond the veil of who they, they thought they were or think they should be. Um,
1: and even beyond what they think they know they want, right? Right. Because yeah, we, right. we can only answer the question from our level of consciousness, from what we we might not have. Let's say it's freedom, right? And we're like, what I would need is to feel free, but maybe we don't have a reference point for what that feels, but some part of us can connect to that, right? So it's still exactly. within the realm of what we know. And we're really interested in that, Exploration of like, well, what are all the things you don't know you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, yeah. and and how do we even get there? And I think that's that's then the, the journey of becoming because you can't intellectually get there, you can't think your way there. Um, and I would say just to to answer the question about B and I, you know, it's it's really it's a, it's a perfect example of that. It was meeting each other in the way that we connected pretty much instantaneously opened us up to this dimension of everything we didn't know we wanted. Certainly there was a lot of stuff in there that we knew we wanted, but there was a lot of things we didn't know we wanted. So for example, I knew I wanted to be kind of initiated into my sexuality in a way that I had not. Like I could sense that there was a deeper expression of me as a sexual being that just had been there was untapped potential. And one of the things you know that I brought forward in the relationship um, was my attraction to women and the fact that I had never had the opportunity to explore that. And so it was like I I thought I might want that, but I wasn't sure. There was there was so many things that were still really unclear that I couldn't know until I actually let myself fully go there and lean in, right? Right. And so it was really through through the connection that we had and kind of the instant familiarity that we felt with each other and the, the trust that was available between us. And the, the, really the biggest gift that I received from Benjamin and continue to receive is the ability to surrender into my body, like get out of my head and surrender fully into my body, surrender into the power of my, my own pleasure and my own sensation. And what was what opened up in that space? Because that's really an altered state of consciousness in and of itself, right? Because we talk about plant medicine, psychedelics, sex is also an altered state of consciousness. And there's a lot of different ways that we can get out of the sort of default mode of operating and into that realm of everything we didn't know we wanted by adjusting our normal default state whether it's an intense breath work session or an amazing dance or you know whatever the thing might be sometimes it's spontaneous sometimes we initiate it but these are the kind of the opportune moments where that veil is collapsed and we can feel something that's available on the other side and so what what I started to discover in me was really this kind of like I don't know how to describe it but there was this teenage boy is maybe too extreme but there was definitely this like (laughs) kind of very young, <clears throat> horny, masculine energy that I felt within me uh-huh. that came online as we started to explore being intimate with another woman. And I and it was like this part of me that I had never acknowledged or didn't even really know was there. But when it was like, oh, I'm now in a container with someone who can meet me in that and who who, who isn't intimidated by that, who isn't freaked out by that part of me, but who's like, yeah, let's explore it together um, suddenly there was this part of me that co- came online and it was really fun. There was, it was a really fun part of me that I started to feel. It was also risky. Cause it was like, okay, we're mm-hmm. at a party and there's a, a cute girl and we're both maybe attracted to her, but it's now up to me to make the first move because if mm-hmm. he does it, it's just creepy because right. we're, you know, a couple. So I have to be the one <laughs> to initiate. And so that brought forward a whole nother kind of dimension of challenge and like, I don't usually, I'm not someone who gets rattled very often. I am Mm. generally a pretty confident person, but I would generally like, I would find myself getting nervous and like afraid of rejection, afraid of making someone uncomfortable and really having more empathy and compassion for, you know, a lot of times it's men who are the ones who are kind of making the first move. At least that's how we're programmed in our culture, Right. right? That things should work. And so now I was kind of like Thrust into this this new new version Mm -hmm. of myself, this new dimension, and so that's just a I guess to to give you a tangible example of what we're talking about. I didn't know that I wanted any of that really until it's I took that first step, and then it just kind of took me down this path.
0: Well, I say this all the time, again with the guys that I work with. So I'm I mostly work with men in midlife, like forty plus year old guys who I'm going to say suddenly come out, which isn't really true. That it's always been sitting there. And I, I can predict, I can predict pretty much what's going to happen. Suddenly they're going to become the little teenage boy in the candy store. Like, I just want to <laughs> have sex, you know? And then, but then there's this really weird space they go to like, but I can't do that. Cause that's not what I'm supposed to do. And they haven't been, we haven't been raised to like, it's okay to be sexual beings, especially gay men who take the path of let's get married, have a wife, have kids, we're playing the role that we're supposed to play. And there's this interesting juxtaposition that happens for about 95% of my clients. They're suddenly like really, really, really alive sexually. But wait, I'm supposed to just have a monogamous relationship. And so they immediately come out the gate, like I'm going, I'm going to go find my man, you know? And I'm like, you don't even know how to date a man yet. You don't even know how to deal with men as the bullshit they're going to bring up. Right. And you're going to go find Mr. Monogamy. I'm like, go be a hoe, go, go <laughs> have some fun. Okay. Because if you don't figure this piece out, you are going to screw up majorly. And I watch it happen all the time. I know some of my clients probably listening going, He is talking about me. Yes, I am talking about y'all, but it's such an interesting journey because Once they release that freedom to go, okay, it's okay. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a hoe, but I like go get a little bit of booty, okay? Go figure this out. Otherwise, you're going to regret it. I suddenly start to see the openness. And then I tell them, as you open to this, you're going to suddenly figure out, in whether it's still while you're working with me or in the next few months, there's something else you're going to open up to. And then something else you're going to open up to. Every one of my clients either changes jobs, loses a ton of weight, um, starts eating differently, starts saying no. This is what I really enjoy in life. Everything because they've opened this one little you know (laughs) entry into like what's possible, and they really start seeing themselves in a whole different light. So I'm not surprised. In fact, as you were sharing that, I was, real, I was like a good, uh, a friend of mine, um, John Acuff, he, he had one of my favorite lines that he says, yeah, he goes, so I started just, you know, strutting around like a, like an eighth grade boy with the first mustache. I'm like, yep, that's kind of like how you feel, you know, you're just like, you got that kind of confidence. So, um, <laughs> but it, totally. it's so, it, it's so interesting to hear this, because I mean, I've heard similar things like this. But to see you bringing this into your work and see you saying this is what becoming is all about and using the psychedelics. I have a really good friend who um, he's a yoga instructor in, in New York City, and he and his podcast hosts have just done a couple of shows on uh, psychedelics and stuff. And I know, you know, there's going to be people like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, well, don't knock it till you've done it. So um <laughs> What do you do with those people who are like, "Oh, hell no, not going to go down this path." Or do you even attract those people? I guess that's no, even a better.
1: I think our our our, our brand is going to definitely very swiftly weed out people who are not interested in the in the conversation. You know, right. psychedelic, sexuality, money. These are all pretty taboo subjects that we really yep. tackle head on in our in our work. And we think that they're some of the most important things in the human experience. Mm -hmm. And again, when we say psychedelics, like, yes, we're focused on psychedelic compounds and and plant medicines, but really always want to also just remind that it's not necessarily about taking something. It's about having an altered state of consciousness that could also be fasting. It could be breath work. Like I said earlier, you know, there's other ways that we can, it can be cold plunging. Like there's a lot of different ways that we can just kind of, it's like a pattern interrupt is really what Mm -hmm. we're looking for. A pattern interrupt to take us out of the rut, out of the, the normal, default, habitual way of thinking about things, looking at the world, operating. And when we can start to make that almost like a practice, it just opens up, like you said, that doorway into new possibilities time and time again. And eventually that becomes a new way of operating in the world. It's, it's, it becomes a new default way of, of, of moving through life where you feel stagnant, unless you're actually continually doing things that are pushing you out of your comfort zone, you know, taking you into new dimensions of yourself. And that's when life starts to get really exciting. And I think that's when coming back to the theme of aliveness, that's when we really start to feel alive because, our aliveness is is really only inhibited to the degree to which we're willing to expand outside of what we already know.
0: So B, what was one of the first pattern interrupts you noticed in yourself that like, okay, now I know I'm opening up I, in this work.
2: You know, I've been a person who's been very curious my personal development journey of, you know, I was always going to the retreats and reading a lot of books. And so there's always been an openness for me, but I think often our greatest challenges or our rock bottom moments are the catalyst for the greatest openings. Um, And a lot of times until those rock bottom moments or those really difficult challenges come across um, our ego, our, this false identity that we have keeps us wanting to be the same. And so for me, uh, I've had a few in my life, you know, I was married for 12 years and coming to terms with ending that was like a whole identity crisis. And but it, it spurred a lot of growth in me at the same time. And then, um, you know, also just before meeting Asria, I ended up in a massive, massive lawsuit and it, it put me in fetal position, but that fetal position caused me to really coming out of that. I was like, okay, I can't trust myself to walk in integrity and do what I say I'm going to do, and live with more purpose. And so I created an operating system. I created a, like literally a 200 page deck, Uh, to guide my life. And that is now fundamental in the work we do. And so that rock bottom moment was the catalyst for the biggest transformation of my life. The, The transformation I've gone through in the last four years has been the most dramatic of my entire life. And, and it came through this rock bottom moment. And so I guess I would, I would say that it's frequently, we see that as a common thread is that people have these, these rock bottom moments with, you know, substance abuse or relationships that are uh, toxic um, whatever it might look like um, that catalyze us into kind of being really crack us open to actually be able to receive um, something different it's
0: huge i mean i i so many people that i've had the beautiful privilege to work with whether it's one-on-one or in retreat spaces that ability to receive to me is one of the most tatamont things you can experience, but it comes through a lot of trust too. You have to trust yourself to receive what's about to be given to you, whether you like it or not, because it's such a, you know, you may be going, well, I wanna receive the good. No, bitch, you gotta receive the bad too, because if you don't, (laughs) you are not gonna make it through this. So, and when I was looking through all of your stuff and looking at like, you know, the teas and the death portals and all this sort of stuff, it, it was so resonating with me because again, it just so aligns with this coming out journey that people go through. One of my most impactful um, podcasts for me personally was a gal who was in a different program of mine. So I coach um, public speakers as well. And she was the last survivor pulled out of the Oklahoma city bombing. And she was under that rubble for six hours. And in that time that she was there, she was staring at, she was staring at a death portal, right? She was like, okay, well, if this is happening, here's where we're going. And then she started having those deeper conversations questioning who she was, all this sort of stuff. And it was such a beautiful thing to see her step into this trusting space with where she was. uh, And I can't remember exactly the line she said in the podcast, but it was something along the lines of, I just trusted that with this concrete laying all over me, yet I trusted my lungs were still breathing. I was still thinking things I was seeing that I hadn't seen before, that there was something going on here that if I just kept trusting in what I couldn't know was coming, that I would be okay with whatever arrived. And it was such a powerful moment. And now erase all that. She has transformed hugely. And she probably gets tired of me telling her story all the time. But, you know, she was a very heavy woman, like big, big girl. She dropped, I don't know, a couple hundred pounds. Now has ran four Ironmans. She was a clerk at the credit union there. She is now the CEO of that credit union. She did not have anything but a high school GED, I believe. And then she went back to school. I mean, this whole transformation of who she stepped into becoming. And now, of course, this is you know a lot of what she speaks about. But one of the things she also brought up was this whole piece of trust. And I, I know in my world, I say this to every client that's coming out of the closet until you trust yourself to be yourself. You will never step through this closet door.
2: I would, I would I, uh, thank you for sharing. I think that's very beautiful. I would add another dimension to that for me. Um, I won't go into the backstory cause it's too long, but, um, I, I don't feel like I felt connected to the planet, to the universe, to spirit, and therefore didn't have a high level of trust in really the benevolent intelligence of life itself. And so my work with ayahuasca specifically uh, allowed me to feel connected to the planet, to spirit, in a way I'd never felt before, and that feeling that I was able to um, to uh, connect with was what allowed me to step into greater and greater trust. Is to actually feel like, okay, I'm not alone on this journey, and so I went from being, you know, b- you know, borderline atheist. Uh, to believing deeply in spirituality and and the benevolence intelligence of life, and so I think in order I guess so going full circle to what you said, I think in order to be able to trust yourself, you have to trust in something else, um, and yep. I think that for me that was something that I wasn't aware of that it that it kind of worked that way, uh, and so now I can I can speak to it, but as I was going through it, I didn't realize that was what I was doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, many people in the LGBTQ community who they do walk away from any form of any kind of belief because they've been so wounded through, you know, religious dogma. And it's always interesting to try to, I I don't try to reel them back in. I'm like, well, but what if you believed in something beyond what you were taught? Mm -hmm. It's really hard because that's like, nope, you're trying to take me into the dogma. I'm I'm not trying to take you into dogma. But what if right. you just believed in something greater than yourself? Let's just leave it at that. Like, right. what if that was the, what would, if that's the juxtaposition for you? And it's very interesting to see how many, I have a really good friend who's actually a coach who and he works with people who've been wounded by the church and helping them see that they can be gay and they can be Christian and all that. And he, he's like, it's really tough work because it is that piece of believing there's something without going, fuck all this. Everything screwed me. So why would I believe it? And I've seen my own journey. In fact, in my book, I talk about the night that I was on the beach and I was like screaming at God and going, okay, fine, fine. If I am not supposed to be here, then take me away now. And the next morning I woke up and I was still laying on the beach covered in ocean water. I'm like, okay, I guess you taught me my lesson. Now let's get back to work and let's get the show on the road because I didn't want to give up my belief in something greater than myself. That's the reason I was seeking and looked at Buddhism and all these other practices as well, because I feel like our spiritual essence is something that if we get it too contrived in a human box, we lose versus how can I be open? How can I step into who I'm meant to be and keep exploring? I'm a huge believer in curiosity, constantly being in curiosity.
1: Yeah. Untethering the, you know, even the word spirituality is one that I try not to use so much because it's even that has so much baggage Mm -hmm. attached to it now, but, but untethering the connection, let's just call it. Yeah. To something that is you and is also greater than you, because Mm -hmm. there's really no separation in our book. Like Mm -hmm. we are all made of the same sacred substance. It's just that there's different expressions of that. And so to untether that, feeling and that knowing from all of the, yeah, the, the dogmatic belief systems that have been driven into us is a really delicate process. It's almost like, I, I feel like it's, yeah, the visual I get is like trying to pull, you know, sh- splinters of shards of glass out of like someone's heart, you know, like it takes time and it's, it's delicate and and there has to be a lot of uh, precision and, and compassion in the process, but to, to believe in yourself, I think it's also it's always an interesting question of like, well, what part of me am I believing in? Am I believing in mm-hmm. my identity? Am I believing in my soul? Am I believing in, you know, the knowing that exists beyond my logical mind of like who I am and where I come from? You know, what right. am I really, what am I being asked to trust in? And it's a, it's a big question that we invite people to sit with. The best way that we've been able to describe it is looking at life or the universe, whatever you want to call it, not just as intelligent, but really as benevolent, as Benjamin said, like there's a, there's a force. There are, there are many forces outside of you that are, that have your best interest at heart and want you to succeed and actually want you to become the full expression of who you were designed to be, whatever that is and what that force loves you unconditionally, you know, and you can name it however you want to name it or don't name it at all, but just to have a relationship with it is really helpful. When you're making big life transitions,
0: but we get so focused on the part of it that (laughs) we won't let ourselves go to. It's like, oh no, I can't believe that somebody does. I can't believe that there are people who support me. And one of the things that I kind of picked up through the threads of stuff as I was, you know, checking you all out, not checking you out in a bad way, even though you're both very beautiful people. But um, (laughs) as I was really looking at your stuff, it's like there's this interesting thread where the becoming, And I love the metaphor, and we're going to get into that. But the becoming is what allows people to see beyond, and the metaphor of the sugar, the bee, the honey. So I'd love to like have you share what you feel like sharing about that. See how good I am? I just worked that in like nobody's business there, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes, Yes, building bridges from one topic to the next—it's an art form. Um, Yeah, should I share the three stages? Go for it. So we developed something called the three stages of becoming, which are also called sugar bee honey. That is the metaphor that we like to work with, and so that first stage is really all about personal preference. It's kind of this traditional model of success. So imagine you're climbing a mountain made of sugar, and you're climbing and climbing, and you're as you're climbing, you're getting your your fix, you're getting your high, your sugar high, and uh, it's you know it's exciting, it's motivating, but at the same time, a lot of times you also have that sugar crash, right? Sugar isn't something that's really a sustainable high. It's something that you need to have more and more of. So this is kind of this analogy of like how we relate to external success, external accomplishments. Like we we climb, we want to get the promotion, we want to get the house, we want to get whatever the thing is that we want that we think will make us whole. And it's this really this this illusion that once we get to some future finish line, once we reach that powdery summit, we're going to be happy and fulfilled and that constant seeking will go away. And so the reality is that there is no summit. So you you just climb as long as you possibly can until eventually there's usually some kind of burnout and you crash. And then there's this opportunity to transition to the second stage, which is the stage where the bee is really the guide. And the bee is a very interesting creature because it's in service to the collective, in service to the hive. Um, It's a very community oriented insect and, it's also you know, just the, the realization that like, when a bee stings, it dies. And when we think about it that way, like when we hurt other people, we're really hurting ourselves. We are actually all deeply interconnected. So it's, it's an acknowledgement of the inter- interconnectivity of all things. At the same time though, the bee serves the hive, but the bee also gets to be part of the hive, right? So there's still a mutual preference that's happening there. The bee is ensuring its own survival by being of service. This is kind of a give and take energy. And then the third stage is the honey stage. And you don't climb honey, you become one with honey by remembering that you were never separate from it in the first place. So the metaphor here is honey represents the frequency of love, mm-hmm. pure love, which is we think the most powerful resource in the universe and the most powerful energy that we can be channeling through through our hearts, through our minds, through our bodies. Um, and honey, unlike sugar, is very nutritious. It's also sweet, but very nutritious, very healing. And, uh, and so these are really three states of consciousness that we're describing, uh, kind of having tracked the trajectory of people's journey over several years, if not decades, as they really are committed to their becoming process.
0: Love this. That's why I'm so quiet
1: mm-hmm. I, mean, I
0: love hearing it. Well, I love when I see people unpack something so beautifully that it can become very relatable very quickly. And as you were talking through that, my mind was going through, okay, so if I was going to use this metaphor <clears throat> with my clients and how they move through their journey, it really is that sense of you can put the three stages um, into a coming out journey very simply. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use the. It's like it, it, you really want the sweetness of being who you are. And what does it feel like to be in a same sex relationship? Or well, let's just be honest. Let, what would it be like to have great sex with somebody that you really desire? You know, but then when you realize stepping into that space is like and this is where I feel like as a gay man and feeling very blessed to get to do this work, that this is where I step into the B space because I feel like I'm contributing to the collective of the world to open minds and help others see us as well as my own community. Like just be who you are. It's absolutely what you're destined for. But the moment I've been an asshole and lashed out at people about fuck you, this is who I am. So get over it. I die. Mm. I, I I don't become as effective. I don't. And yes, there it's hard at times because you know, it's a polarizing world these days, unfortunately. But I also know that each time I allow that negativity and hatred to enter into my being around whatever may be going on for the LGBTQ community, I can't be of service. I can't even think about having a conversation with somebody on the other side. But the more I step back in, like, I'm just going to represent. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to keep saying the words I need to say. And, you know, if my husband was sitting here, he'd probably slap me. Then like, you need to do more of that. You know, you'd be like, don't get so worked up about stuff. But as soon as I slip into that other space, I feel like I'm finally in the flow of the honey mm-hmm. because then I'm able to truly deliver what I'm, I'm wanting to see happen in the world. And as I was looking at this, I didn't dive really deep because I wanted to have this part of the conversation. I was seeing kind of how I thought the metaphor would play out, but I love that you're doing this and that it's bringing it to people in a space, you know, as, as practitioners, we know sometimes we got to bring it into a space where it's able for people to consume. No, no pun intended about honey, but if they can't consume it, they can't act on it. And that's what I love about this three stages of becoming.
2: I think uh, a nice way to kind of, Put a button on it is the third stage of becoming is driven by an essential question and when you ask yourself you know let's say you you have you're in a situation that you you want to decide to how to handle so if you move beyond your preference beyond your preference or the other person's preference or your mother's preference or anyone's preference and you ask yourself what would love choose and love being like the greater intelligence of love the, the collective love if you ask yourself what would love choose and you're guided by that question, then you're sure to be operating from that third stage of becoming. It's really powerful. Well, it's where you you let go of so much.
0: You don't have to be right. You don't have to like it. There is no judgment. It's just like there is judgment in the question, so to speak. But I know in my coach training, when we get to what we call our level seven energy, there's no judgment, it's just a matter of being, you're just with what you know, you're with what is and not the easiest space for most of us as humans to reside, but it's a very powerful space to try to attain to, so to speak. So, so I'm curious, you guys do a lot of this work. Uh, you've obviously brought this very deeply into your own relationships and how do you feel like this work could impact the world? Good question.
1: I mean, God, if, if you could, you know, even just foundational concepts of just some of the stuff we talked about on this call, Mm -hmm. if you could integrate that into, you know, normal education models, like Mm -hmm. starting at child in childhood, like the the world would radically transform in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the we've, we've really been, we've, we've had very different backgrounds and we have, you know, spent a lot of years of our life pursuing other careers, not this type of work. And uh, I think both of us were driven largely by the question of how can we maximize our impact on the planet? Like, if we're looking at the state of things, we're looking at the state of society and the state of, you know, the, just our environment. Like, if, if we have a short moment, a short window of opportunity to make a difference in a positive way for the future generations, what would be the, the maximal ROI, you know, that we could, that we could create? And it just always came back to giving people the tools to transform themselves from the inside out, giving people the tools to heal their trauma, to reprogram their limiting belief systems, to reconnect to a harmonious, loving universe that does exist, despite the fact that it doesn't feel like it a lot of times. And to then from that place, be you know embodied examples of what it means to love life. And it doesn't have to be that you're changing the lives of hundreds or thousands or millions of people. You don't have to go become a coach, but even just to be in love with your your life, your family, mm-hmm. you know, when you look in the mirror, can you feel compassion? Can you feel grace when you, when your kid is throwing a temper tantrum, you know, can you hold them with with love and, and, and give them the privilege of their process? Like this is how we change the world. What we need is the tools and the frameworks right and the systems that can help us design our own version of becoming, you know, because there's no one size fits all. And that's, of course, the, the pitfall with religion is it's like, here's the template, and then everyone right. should follow these rules. It's just not how it works. We have to start getting creative and creating our own version of it. But there are certainly shared belief systems and and you know tools that can really support us in that journey where we can still have that sovereign expression of our unique design while simultaneously working in harmony and in tandem with the larger collective that we are intrinsically a part of so how can it change the world i mean it's i think it's it's one of the one of the most powerful ways that we can change the world mm-hmm. because it's at the foundation of everything like you know you could you could say okay well one of the things that's gonna change the world is technology right, right. technology is and, and I would agree with that technology can change the world can also destroy the world but right. what's gonna what's gonna be the differentiating decision factor between whether it's gonna gonna save the world or destroy the world is gonna be who are the human beings actually creating and then distributing the technology and where are they at in their emotional intelligence in their heart intelligence Have they done their inner work? You know, what is the lens with which they perceive reality? Because if they're still climbing their sugar mountain and they're still trapped in that race of like, I need to acquire more externally so that I can feel whole internally and that's their agenda, that's going to trickle out into the technology that they're sharing with the world and it's going to affect millions, if not billions of people. So it always has to come back to the human beings behind whatever's being created.
0: Well, and I think there's a, a little phrase that I got in your your pre-show stuff of unfuckwithable, and <laughs> yes. to me that is at a core. It's a core element of this, and I've thought about this in different ways. You know, there's a lot of people. You know, one of my favorite books is um the art of not giving a fuck, and mm. I just really resonated with him with Greg, and I think it's Greg, yeah, and Mark um, Manson, Mark, Mark Manson, yeah. yeah, and um it was such an interesting exploration to well even even my unapologetic that's that's what i'm working on right now is my book called unapologetic and some people are like you can't be that i'm like yes you can when you realize being unapologetic isn't a nasty word right you know neither is being unfuck with a nasty word and and the art of not giving a fuck that none of this is nasty this is all about bringing in my perspective and i think we may have similar feelings on this it's about bringing our consciousness into a completely different space and seeing our thoughts and seeing ourselves from a space of there's nothing wrong with being gay. There's nothing that says you're a screwed up being because of this is who you are. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm going to use some, you know, plant medicines to like get myself into a different frame of mind. Yet the moment the judgments come up, this is what it's all about. So as we start to get close to wrapping up here, I want to like, Play with the unfuckwithable a little bit because I think the listeners could really learn something from why that's part of this whole thing for you guys.
2: Yeah, well, I think often people will, you know, hear that word uh, unfuckwithable and think that it's um, coming from a perspective of like nothing can bother me. Right. I I can't be impacted. And the way in which we use that word, it's, it's really kind of the opposite it's it's when you can allow something to come at you that normally you would have resistance to and you can feel it fully without resistance and and therefore allow it to transmute and 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 move forward so you know it's it's not to say like something terrible happens it's feel the grief of that mm-hmm. like feel it fully without resistance we live so much of our lives wishing things were different than they actually are and, and becoming unfuckwithable is about being an acceptance of what is and feeling it fully without resistance. Um, And so it's a little different than I think most people initially um, feel it to mean.
1: I think it's an interesting word. And I think that Mark Manson did this also with the subtle art of not giving a fuck where that title and even the word unfuckwithable, it kind of speaks to the part of us that wants to be immune to pain or discomfort. It speaks to the part of us that's like, wait, I can be, you know, I can have this kind of armor of like, really genuinely just not giving a fuck about what other people think of me. Uh, and and that that can feel appealing. I think who that feels appealing to mostly is our ego. But if we get underneath that, and we see the real message behind both of those examples, it's like the way to actually Truly be free of your ego's constant need to protect itself is to allow yourself to feel the things that most people aren't willing to feel. That is your superpower. And if you can learn to do that and do it with grace and be like, wow, this really sucks. Like, I just, you know, my boyfriend just broke up with me and I'm like devastated. What would it look like to say, this is my initiation? This is my spiritual awakening. This is my rock bottom moment that's going to allow me to tap parts of the darkness within me that I've never even had access to before and I actually get underneath them and fully process them at a core root level so that when I come out of this, I can really be the person that I know is possible for me to be. And I can attract the partner that can see me and hold me and, and, and love me in the way that I deserve to be loved. Like, it's just a complete different way. Ref- it's a reframe on how to deal with 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 painful things.
0: And I think that's the biggest piece is the reframe is yeah. if when we can reframe the pain, I mean, there wasn't anything not painful about coming out of the closet and after being married in a heterosexual relationship for 13 years, there was joy, there was excitement, but there was, it was not pain-free by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, any experience that we have, there's nothing that quote unquote, nobody says ever going to be pain-free. And one of the things I've learned as a facilitator and a coach and working in this arena in my own personal development is each time I have the privilege of stepping into the pain, I also have the privilege of stepping in to the power of being more of who I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. There's no doubt about it. But without that pain, I don't think I can continue to evolve as a person. Yeah, I've got to experience the pain, you know. Like I'm kind of over the pain of interviewing you two right now too. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) But um, I think it's an interesting space when we let pain become a beautiful part of the growth and the journey instead of it being the thing like, no, we can't, no, we can't. You know, if we, if, if nobody experienced pain, there wouldn't be none of us on this planet because mamas wouldn't be given birth. So let's just put that that way. So yeah. So as we wrap up here, um, the book is called, why don't you guys plug yourselves now? Here it is. uh, The lovely, like, tell everybody where to find you, the book, um, any of the stuff you want to promote here.
1: Shameless self-promotion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: not shameless. It's beautiful self-promotion.
1: Unapologetic. How about that?
2: There we go. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Our website's uh, becomingwithacue.me. Azria Becker and Benjamin Becker. You can find us on all the social channels and Uh, You can buy our book on Amazon or on our website has a much nicer hardcover copy, and it's also an audible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're also currently enrolling into two of our programs. So if you're listening to this in a moment where that is happening, please check out our process page on our website. We're doing really deep transformational work with people. We're helping people build a new operating system, um, getting into a lot of the subjects and concepts that we discussed today, but in a more interactive and, and tangible kind of application. So yeah, that's it.
2: And I think I remember reading something like there's a TEDx coming out
0: maybe soon. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We recorded it in January. Uh, It's, it's being reviewed uh, by TEDx because we were talking about some taboo subjects. So we were, we were dancing a tightrope there, but so we'll, we'll see if TEDx has the cojones to release it. <laughs>
0: well, if they do, I would love to have you guys back to talk about that one because I know what the title is already. I'm like, uh-huh, we need to go there because it's such <laughs> such a beautiful thing to step into. But we'll keep that a little secret right now. Uh-huh. So, um, But anyway, thank you, you two, for being here and for what you're doing in the world and for what you just shared today. I hope that Even if just one listener is like, oh, that made me think, which usually there's more than one, but um, thank you so much. And if anybody would like a copy of their book, let me know and I will get it sent to you from me because I love promoting other authors. So um, amazing. And, um, but then I got to put a little caveat because a lot of the same people keep asking for books. I'm like, it's one book per listener per year. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but, um, yes, I would love to share your book with everyone. Oh, so, so, Thank you, sweet. Uh, brother. I appreciate so, you. And if you need anything else from them, please check out their website. As they said, it is becoming with a Q dot not.com. You'll figure that out. Cause you'll go somewhere and it's like, that doesn't exist. So it's be with And, um, please go visit them both. And if you're interested in their work, go, go join them. Go join him on an adventure. So again, thank you both for being here and being so beautiful in the work that you're
2: bringing into the world. Thank you, brother. Hey,
0: hey, hey, Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us